Would you pray with me? And we're going to ask God to speak to us. We're going to ask God to uh, work in our hearts. And I'm just going to invite you to take a moment and ask God to speak to you. And then would you join me in praying? Uh, but, but first, just, just tell God that your heart is open. Uh, tell God that you want to hear from him. Tell God that you want to listen to him. And just, just start with, with that. Allow the, the thoughts and the, you know, all the different things that are in our minds to just kind of release for a minute and, and tell God you want to hear his voice. And please do that if you're online or, or here. Father, we thank you that we can be here today. We thank you that you are present with us right now. Uh, You're a God that is present, and you're a God that works, and you're a God that is active. You're a God that speaks. And we know that you care about us. We know that you love us. We know you want good for our lives. And so I pray, Lord, help me to speak your word in a clear way. Help, Help me to communicate, God, your heart for your church, for your people, for those present and for those online. And we ask, God, that you would allow this time to be helpful for our souls, for our lives, for our relationships, for our jobs, for all the different things. We, we need you, God. We also pray, God, just for our world right now. Um, we ask, Lord, we, we, we thank you that we're able to meet here in person, but we do ask, God, that you would allow a vaccine to be created, that you would allow our government to have wisdom, our leaders to have wisdom in the decisions that need to be made so that our city, that our country, our world can, can thrive and that we can be able to gather in person once again, that things can resume a sense of normalcy. We ask, God, you to work in that and to lead, you tell us to pray for our leaders. And so we together ask that you would grant wisdom to our leaders, that you would grant um, discernment and the ability to make right choices and to those that are working on vaccines and those things that you would give them uh, wisdom and strength even beyond their own education and insight. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, we're starting a new series today. We, we were in the book of Psalms, and we're starting a new series going through the book of Proverbs. And we're going to look at several, we're not going to cover the whole book of Proverbs, but we're going to look at several principles that Proverbs gives to us. And, and really, the, the big idea with this and kind of what, what we're doing here is this, there's, there's no shortage of information. There is no shortage of information. You can pull up your phone and have access to, I, I don't even know, but you know, you Google one thing and it tells you there's a million results or whatever it is. I mean, there's no shortage of information available to us, whether that is the news or it's blogs or just friends or movies or documentaries and whatever it is, there's no shortage of information that is available, but it's often overwhelming. 
we often have choices in our life to make. You, you decide, man, we want to have kids. And you say, oh, no problem. There's only 5,000 parenting books to read. And, and they all disagree on almost everything. So how do I figure that out? So I want to buy a house. And how do I choose that? And what's the right thing? And how much money should I spend? And there's competing information and tons of information. And when we want to make good decisions in our lives, when we want to be able to say, I want wisdom on something, it's hard. It isn't easy. It's not just choosing between right and wrong on the surface. It's choosing between all these different options that are available to us, and it's overwhelming. But we want wisdom. We want wisdom in our relationships. We want wisdom when it comes to our work. I know some of you are looking for new jobs, and we want wisdom, and, you know, how should I choose a new job? We want wisdom maybe when it comes to schooling for some of you. I know I've talked to. We want wisdom when it comes to life choices and decisions that we're trying to make. We want wisdom when it comes to to God. We want wisdom when it comes even morally on should I do this, should I not do this. We want wisdom, something to be able to cut through all of the different information. And here's what wisdom is, biblically speaking. Wisdom is knowing what is right. So it's knowing what is the right thing, being able to sort through all the stuff and to know what is right. But then wisdom is also the skill to be able to apply that information and that knowledge. It isn't just knowing what's right. Wisdom is knowing. It's being able to sift through it all to know what's right and then to be able to have the skill to apply that. Wisdom is being able to have the skill with God, with people, to be able to know how to actually apply the things that you know. That is what wisdom is. That's what, that's what we're after. That's what you want. That's what I want in all of the different things that we come to. And Proverbs is one of the most practical books in the Bible. It gives very practical wisdom, wisdom principles for life on how we actually live. A lot of different famous sayings that we even have, like pride comes before the fall or things like that, that you have heard, not even, in, uh, not even from a, a preacher or at church, but that, that wisdom that is just out there come from the book of Proverbs. It gives us very practical principles for life that really can change all the different dimensions. It covers so many different areas in our life. But today, we first need to really just understand wisdom. We need to understand wisdom itself and what the heart of wisdom is to get at the very center of it what is the core of wisdom before before proverbs goes on to all of the different kind of practical applications that we will get into of our words and conflict and relationships and friendship and marriage and parenting before it does that proverbs actually spends the first nine chapters just giving to us the heart of wisdom giving to us what the core, the foundation of wisdom is. And so really we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 9 today, which is the conclusion of the first eight chapters of Proverbs that is kind of the, the center before then it goes into a lot of the, the different areas that it covers. We're going to look at Proverbs chapter 9, which gives us five foundational keys. It's kind of the summary really of the first eight chapters. It gives us five foundational keys that we need to learn about wisdom if we want to understand the heart of wisdom. You have to understand the core of something before you can understand all the ancillary things. So here are, I'm going to read Proverbs chapter 9, and then we're going to look at the five foundational pieces of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 9. Wisdom has built 
her house. And, and let me just say this, it's going to personify wisdom for you as lady wisdom. And Proverbs does this often. It presents wisdom as a person, which we know as you continue in the Bible, that wisdom is ultimately personified in Jesus Christ. That the Bible says that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge of God. And that in Corinthians, Paul says of Jesus that he is the wisdom of God. So we know ultimately that Proverbs is kind of hinting at this personification of wisdom as sort of a um, illustrative device, a a liturgical device. But in truth, God himself incarnates as wisdom in Jesus. So follow along here. Wisdom has built her house. She has carved out her seven pillars. She has prepared her meat. She has mixed her wine. She also has set her table. She has sent out her female servants. She calls out from the highest points of the city. Whoever is inexperienced, enter here. To the one who lacks sense, she says, come eat my bread and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave inexperience behind and you will live. Pursue the way of understanding. The one who corrects a mocker will bring abuse on himself. The one who rebukes the wicked will get hurt. Don't rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke the wise, and he will love you. Instruct the wise, and he will be wiser still. Teach the righteous, and he will learn more. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be many, and your years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for your own benefit. If you mock, you alone will bear the consequences." Folly, now it personifies foolishness or folly as another woman that we can choose from. Folly is a rowdy woman. She is gullible and knows nothing. She sits by the doorway of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling to those who pass by, who go straight ahead on their paths. Whoever is inexperienced, enter here. To the one who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten secretly is tasty. But he doesn't know that the departed spirits are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol, or death. Now, this gives us kind of the five, really, again, this is the summary of the first eight chapters that Proverbs has given, which is trying to root us in the heart of wisdom before we actually move on to all the different practical principles that Proverbs is going to give us. So here's five foundational things that we need to understand about the heart of wisdom wisdom that that we must get before we move on in the rest of our series. The first is this. There are always, there are always two different ways or voices fighting for our attention. There are always two different voices. There is a life of worship of God, as Lady Wisdom is calling us to, and a life of idolatry or a life of not worshiping God, but worshiping other, de- other, other things as Lady Folly calls us to. And the appeals are made constantly. You can see even in Proverbs that it, it is presenting wisdom as calling out. Wisdom calls out. She sends out servants and messengers to call out. She is loudly inviting and speaking, saying, come here. I want your attention. I have prepared a meal. I have, I have prepared my house for you. Come here. And Lady Folly says almost the exact same things that Lady Wisdom says. 
Lady Wisdom says, come and eat my bread. Whoever is inexperienced, enter here. And Lady Folly says the same words. Whoever is inexperienced, come here. Listen, there are always, this is one of the things you have to understand about wisdom that we have to get if we want to think about friendship and what's the way to have friends. If we want to think about how we make financial decisions in our life, if we want to think about our marriage, we have to understand there are always two voices speaking to us. There are always competing voices speaking to us for our allegiance, and they often say the same thing. Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly speak and say, look, you want help? Come here. The world around us is not neutral. It is competing for your attention, for your allegiance, for your time, for your money, for your commitment. That's the first thing we have to understand uh, that is foundational to wisdom is that there is competing voices speaking to us. Who do you spend time listening to? Who do you spend time listening to? What fills your mind? You will become like who you listen to, whether that's friends, family, the certain news outlets that you choose, the blogs that you follow, the friends that you invite to counsel you, you will become like the voices that you cultivate and listen to. That's number one thing that we need to understand about wisdom. Folly and wisdom, both are inviting you. They're both saying, I've got a meal for you, come. Second is that they both have outcomes. They both have outcomes. It both leads somewhere. It's never, again, it's never just information. It's never just neutral. The voices that we listen to will lead us somewhere. The voices that we are saying, okay, I want wisdom in my life about this area, about this thing. I don't know what to do about this. I think I'll Google it. I don't. The voices we listen to have outcomes. They have results. Ideas matter and they have consequences, good or bad. Often they're not immediate. It says about Lady Folly that she invites and says, hey, come, I've got a meal for you. I've got some water. I've got some bread. And then it eventually leads to death, it says. But she says it's sweet. It tastes good. And it does. You eat it. You, you take the advice. You take the wisdom of anything. And at first, it feels and sounds and seems good. Most of the bad choices probably that you made in your life, I know this is true for me, most of the bad choices you made, you probably, and I know there's exceptions to this, but you probably didn't say, this is a bad choice. Here I go. You probably said, this seems good. And maybe even as soon as you made the choice, you actually said, ah, I made the right choice. This feels sweet. And then as time went on, what do we say? Hindsight is twenty twenty. To look back you then have clarity because the voices that we listen to have outcomes, either negative, which end in death, which doesn't mean necessarily that you physically die, but when the Bible speaks about death, it often speaks about a quality of life, that you are robbed of something good that you could enjoy. The quality and the joy and the experience of life that God wants for you, you actually miss out on thinking you are choosing something good and it tastes sweet in the moment, leads to something bad internally, like Taco Bell. It tastes good in the moment, and then internally, it jacks you up. That is what Proverbs is saying. 
And likewise, wisdom leads to good outcomes. Wisdom leads to good outcomes. I, I love this. It says that if you are wise, you are wise for your own benefit. If you are wise, you are wise for your own benefit. If you choose the path of wisdom, if you choose to listen to God's voice in your life, that isn't some big sacrificial thing you are doing. Like, I am going to follow God and I will no longer listen to foolishness. I will choose the path of wisdom. That's not some sort of self-righteous thing that you can say how great you are that you're following. If you choose to be wise, you're benefiting yourself. There's always outcomes. The path of folly leads to death, even if at first it seems tasty. The path of wisdom might start hard, might start good, but eventually it leads to a quality of life. This is what Jesus says too. This is what, where the name of our church comes from. In part, Jesus says, I have come to give life and life to the full. And that's what wisdom is saying. Come to me and you will experience life. If you choose wisdom, you are benefiting your self to listen to God, to obey God, to listen to his voice. Isn't, isn't some... Uh, moral accolade for you. It is actually wise for yourself. Here's a question for you on outcomes. If you keep going and just, uh, you know, maybe it's helpful to think about some particular area in your life, but if you keep going on the path that you are on right now, if you keep going on that path, if you, if you fast forward that a year, two years, four years, five years, if you keep going on the path you are now, is that going to lead you to the life that you want? If you keep going the way you're doing your marriage right now, is that going to lead you to the marriage that you want, that God desires for you? If you keep going on the path you are with friendship, maybe that's not having friends. Maybe that's not being vulnerable. Maybe it's not being a very good friend. Maybe it's just having shallow friends. If you keep going on the way you are with your friendship right now, three years, four years, five years, is that, is that the life? Is that the road? Is that the destination you want to be on? If you keep going where you are with God right now, so many times we say later, 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 and as soon as I get this done, as soon as I get this done, if, if you've been around here for a while, you often hear me, or I, I say it often, I hope you hear me, talk about there's no such thing as the hump. We always say, as soon as I get over the hump, huh, then I'll kind of figure it out. And there's no hump. Life is a huge camel. There's a hump and another hump and another hump, and it keeps going. You're never going to get to a place where you just go, now, huh, I have all the time and all the energy and everything is totally relaxed. Say, once I get married, then, and once the wedding's planned, okay, then I'll figure it out. Once we have kids, then, once my kids are in school, then, once I get that new job, then, once I buy that house, then, once I retire, then, once I pay all my medical bills, then, once I pay off my student loans, then, whatever it is, there's no hump. There's no hump. Or rather, life is all humps, however you want to think about it. And I can't remember my point with that. <laughs> I just wanted to impress that point. But my, my point with that is this, is there's, is, okay, I got my point. My point is this on outcomes. My point is this, that you, you, you can't say, once this is done, I will do this. The track that you are on now, the road you are on now is going to lead you to where you will be in five years. 
if you're waiting for the hump to make the decisions that you need to make to get to where you want to be in five years, it's not going to happen. I think that's an amen from that crow, okay? So if you keep going on the path you are now, where will you be? If you keep going on how you're reading the Bible now, praying now, submitting to God now, taking risks now, following God's calling and purpose in your life now, where will you be in five years? All right, that's principle two. Principle three is this, and it's implicit in the things I've already said and the things we've already looked at in Proverbs, but we'll just make it explicit, which is, and, and really this is kind of the point of Proverbs 9, is there is a choice that has to be made. There's a choice. This passage is deliberately set up as here's wisdom folly speaking to us, calling to us. Here's, I think I said wisdom folly. Here's lady wisdom speaking to us, calling to us. And here's lady folly speaking to us, calling to us. Who will you choose? Who will you listen to? There is always a choice in a moment and in moments. Meaning there's a choice in your life. Sometimes when you put the stake in the ground and say, as it says in the book of Joshua, choose this day whom you will serve. There's a choice to be made. You are hearing in your life the voice of folly and the voice of wisdom. Who will you listen to? Choose is what this passage leaves us with. The passage doesn't end happy clappy. The passage ends in death. Because it's just wanting us to say, okay, so what am I going to do? What am I going to choose? There's always a choice that we have to make in a moment, in a decisive moment. That moment for some of us is today. And in moments Meaning, when you think about, okay, what am I going to do about this? What's the direction I'm going to go? There is always a choice to make. We have voices competing for our allegiance, for our attention. Each has outcomes, and there is always a choice. The choice is continually presented to us. And here's something that you need to know about choice. What this means is we will not, please hear me on this. Some of you, I think, really need to hear this word today. We will not passively enter into wisdom. In the book of Proverbs, there's kind of different uh, characters that it uses. The wise person, the righteous person, really the same. And then there's, then there's the fool, the scoffer, the mocker. And then one of the main characters, and that's presented to us here, is the simple or the inexperienced, it says in this translation. Leave inexperience behind and you will live. Whoever is inexperienced, enter here. The inexperienced person or the simple person isn't supposed to be an insult, but it's supposed to say it's a person uncommitted. It's a person that hasn't yet made the choice. It's a person that hasn't yet made a decisive, I am going with the voice of God. They're listening. They're entertaining different ideas. They're keeping their options open. They have FOMO, and so they're not ready to say, I'm going with this one. They're keeping their options open. They're keeping their ideas open. They would view themselves as open-minded. They would say that absolute truth is dangerous. It's the inexperienced or the simple that hasn't yet chosen, I'm going with God. There is always a choice. 
and we will not passively enter into a life of wisdom. We must choose. And it's never too late. That's part of what this Proverbs is, speak, is, is speaking to us is leave inexperience behind, which means previously you were inexperienced. That says all who are, all who are inexperienced, come over here. To, if you lack sense, come over here. It's never too late to make that choice. Even if you look at your life and say, I've made a lot of dumb decisions. I have chosen foolishness many, many times. It's never too late. There is always a choice. And before, before you get into the practicals of the way to handle conflict and how you use your words and friendship and marriage and parenting and work and money, and before we get into all of that stuff, Proverbs is set up intentionally to say, what choice are you going to make? Before you ask about the nitty gritty, what choice are you going to make? Who are you going to listen to? Even if you think about certain decisions or certain areas in your life right now, my question for you here and online, my question is this. Have you been decisive? Decisive. I will submit to Jesus. I want to listen to his voice. I don't care what he says, about what area, about what thing. I'm listening to him. Have you decided that? So that even when new information comes to you and you don't like it, and it means a choice you have to make that you don't, that's going to be hard or it might get difficult. And it's not the sweetness immediately of, of stolen bread and that she speaks of, of Lady Folly speaks of. Have you decided? It doesn't matter. I've already chosen. I am following Jesus. If you've got decisions that you're trying to make right now, if there's areas in your life right now, relationally and financially and with work and whatever it is, have you already said, I'm following Jesus. That's what this Proverbs is, this proverb is forcing us into, is, is bringing that choice before us, is his voice, his community, the one you have said, that's where I'm aligning myself. Number four, there's two voices always competing. Each has an outcome. There is a choice then that is presented to us. The beginning of wisdom or the core of it all thus, if you're going to choose the way of wisdom, the core of it all is worship. The core is not principles, even though we will talk about them, but that's not the core. The core emanates into different things, but the core is not principles. The core is a person, which is why and this says it in Proverbs 1, and then it says it again in Proverbs 9 to sort of conclude the section. In verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Which means before there's ever a do, there's a who. And not the Dr. Seuss kind, but just say, it just before we think about what we should do, God is saying, you want wisdom? I will give you myself. And here's what this means. Sometimes we ask God for wisdom. I think most of us probably at some point in our life have said, God, I need wisdom on this. And usually, what do we mean? Tell me what to do about this. I want to know what to do about this situation. 
we come to God and say, God, give me wisdom about my job. Give me wisdom about my money. Give me wisdom about that conversation I have to have. Give me wisdom about how to handle this conflict. Give me wisdom about how to do this with my kids. Give me wisdom. And we're asking God to help us know what to do. But what Proverbs says is if you want wisdom, God asks, when we ask God for wisdom, the beginning of all wisdom is actually God saying, let me teach you to know me. Let me teach you to love me. When it talks about the fear of the Lord, that doesn't mean being scared and terrified of God as like some horror movie. It's saying the awe, the reverence, the worship, or that's why it also says the knowledge, which when the Bible talks about knowledge, it doesn't just mean information. It means an intimate knowing, the knowledge of the Holy One. So listen, you might be asking God for wisdom about something in your life of what to do. You might not get any answer of what to do. But God might just draw you near and say, you want wisdom? Okay, here's where it begins. Here's where it all comes from. Know me. I invite you to myself. I want you to know me. I want you to enjoy me. I want you to worship me. I want you to love me. I want you to see who I am. I want you to get to experience all that I am. And that will change you from the inside out to become a person of wisdom that knows what to do in so many different situations. Not because God is giving you a bullet pointed list of do this and this here, do this on Tuesday, do this on Thursday, say this, say God's not an earpiece telling you all the things. But God is someone saying, I want you to enter into relationship relationship with me. That's the sun from which all energy emanates. That's the beginning of wisdom. There's two voices. They lead to different outcomes. We have a choice and the voice of wisdom primarily is not telling us what to do. There are things it says, but that's not the primary thing. The primary thing true wisdom is, is to get to know God, to enjoy him, to love him, to see him. What that means is this, in the choices that we're trying to make and in the life that we're trying to live, it's not actually wisdom if it hasn't started with knowing God. It might seem like wisdom. It might even feel like wisdom. But you have to ask yourself, are your choices starting with knowing God? Are your choices starting with I want this connected to God and who he is. If not, you can't actually claim that you're on the path of wisdom because that's the beginning. That's the fountain. That's the foundation. Last point is this. God wants to give us wisdom. In this passage, you see wisdom personified as God calling out, inviting beckoning, sending out messengers to say, bring people in from the highest point of the city, calling out and saying, I want you. She's preparing a meal and saying, come and eat this. I, I don't know if you're like this, but, but sometimes I have felt in my life like I want wisdom in certain areas and I feel almost like I've got to beg God for the wisdom. I feel like, God, please give me wisdom. I don't know what to do about this. God, please give me wisdom. God, and what this passage is saying is God wants to give us wisdom. God wants to give us wisdom. God is inviting. Wisdom isn't stingy. Lady Wisdom is saying, I want, I'm inviting, I'm calling, I'm speaking, I'm desiring. Listen, God wants to give you wisdom. God doesn't look at your life and say, if you beg me enough, 
I'll, I'll help you out. God wants to give you wisdom. Lady Wisdom has made this whole banquet. She's prepared a feast of bread and wine and meat, and she is sending people out to say, come eat the wisdom. God wants to give you wisdom. And listen, this is such good news too. It doesn't matter who you are. Do you feel inexperienced? God wants to give you wisdom. Do you feel like you have no sense? To the one who lacks sense, come eat my bread. You probably have never sent out a dinner invitation like that. Anybody that's stupid, come to my house and eat. If you don't know what you're doing, come eat with me. But that is our God. Gracious and merciful and compassionate, he looks on those of us that know our true selves and say, I'm inexperienced, I'm ignorant. And he says, yeah, come eat with me. I want to give to you. Which tells us this. The true posture is not to beg God to give to us. The true posture is to be humble to receive. To be humble to listen. If the truth is that God wants to give you wisdom, then the real problem isn't that God isn't speaking. The real problem is often we're not listening. And that we are actually proud. Which is why it has that linchpin section in there that says, if you try to teach a mocker, he just gets mad at you. If you try to correct or rebuke a scoffer, he just turns on you. But if you correct someone that's wise, they will say, I love that. Thank you. We have to ask ourselves, is that our posture with our community? Is that our posture with God? That we say, I want your voice in my life. I know you want to speak to me, and so I want to receive from you, God. God wants to give to us wisdom. And he, if he looks at our simplicity and our ignorance, he doesn't insult us, he invites us. If you're here, if you're listening today online or in person, God wants to give you wisdom. He wants you to experience the feast of wisdom. So here's what this means for us. Each of us wants wisdom. We all want to grow in wisdom. We all want to be able to cut through all the, the different things. And I know that that's hard. I, I often feel overwhelmed by all the, the data and stuff out there. We want to be able to cut through it all. How do, how do we do that? And here's what wisdom says. Here's what Proverbs 9 tells us. Receive it. Receive him. Listen to his voice, which means this. The first step in all of wisdom is to submit to God and say, I want you. I want your voice speaking to me. Before I'm going to go research, before I'm going to check this and that, before I'm going to ask my friends and family what to do, but I want you, God, and I submit to you. I want to know you and enjoy you, and this area belongs to you. That's what it means. That's the beginning of wisdom. So really, it's just a question that God is asking you today, and I'll just say it too, is what are you going to choose today? What will you choose in the different decisions you have to make, but what will you choose today? Will you choose his voice over all the competing voices? When we come to take communion, which we're going to do here, in a second, when we come to take communion, you know what we're remembering? That in Proverbs 9, it says that wisdom sends out its messengers into the earth to call them to feast. God didn't just send out a messenger. God sent out his son. God so wanted us to experience life, a life of joy, a life of wisdom, that he didn't just send out messengers, but he sent his very son to this earth 
to come to us and just like wisdom says, come and eat. Come and drink my bread and wine. Jesus says, come and eat. Come and drink the bread and wine, which when we take communion represents and reminds us on the cross that his blood was shed, his body was broken to give us himself, knowledge of the Holy One. Our sins forgiven, our foolishness forgiven, his wisdom and righteousness given, his invitation to come and eat and experience all that he is for us to have life is still available. Today, we remember it. If you're not a Christian today, for the first time, choose, come to him. Ask him to save you, to change you from the inside out. Feast on him as the personification, God's wisdom himself. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. We're going to take a couple minutes, take communion. And then you can also use this time to take a next step. You can text uh, the number uh, to fill out the connect card and you can, um, you can go on our next steps page, truelifedenver.com slash next steps. And you can sign up to serve or to give or to, or to get other information on various things. You can take a next step to say, I want to continue the path of wisdom. And also just use this time to pray. Confess to God where you've been foolish, where you haven't chosen him. Repent and receive, again, his grace, his forgiveness, his compassionate call to all of us. 